Welcome back to the Alt Goes Mainstream podcast. Today's episode dives into an important and growing part of the Alt ecosystem, how investors can access and invest into alternatives through their retirement funds. We have Eric Satz, the CEO of Alto, a self-directed IRA custodian with us today to discuss how he's on a mission to provide everyday Americans the same investment opportunity long favored by institutional investors. Alto provides custody for a wide range of alternative assets, including private companies, real estate, crypto, loans, and securitized collectibles. Alto has streamlined the investment process for companies, funds, and SEC-registered investment platforms to include IRA investors in their offerings. They've partnered with firms across the alt space, including AngelList, Coinbase, EquityZen, Republic, Masterworks, and many others, to enable investors to invest into private markets with their IRAs. Eric is a serial entrepreneur and former investment banker. He worked at DLJ Credit Suisse First Boston before founding Curinex, was acquired by State Street for $564 million, Plum Good Food, and Tennessee Community Ventures. His passion for entrepreneurship led him to serve on the board of the Tennessee Valley Authority from 2015 to 2018, and he teaches an entrepreneurship class to high school students. On today's podcast, Eric teaches us about the merits of a self-directed IRA. He shares why and how it makes sense to use an IRA to invest into private market investments, and how he's taking lessons learned from prior IRA businesses to build Alto. Thanks, Eric, for coming on the show to share your knowledge and passion for alternatives. Eric, welcome to the Elko's Mainstream Podcast. Michael, awesome to be here. Glad we could do it. Pleasure to have you on. You've made tremendous amounts of progress over the past few years, building something really interesting for really everyone in the alt space. I want to start with how does everyone get invested into alts? As you know, the answer is it's not easy. (laughs) And it's been an evolution. If we start at the high end, the ultra high net worth investor, that individual has always had the ability, sometimes has not had the access, but has always had the ability to participate in either private fund investing, private company investing, really special opportunities. What hasn't always been the case and where the greatest amount of both technological evolution as well as financial securities evolution, and this is all goes mainstream, this is what you're about, has taken place at the not yet accredited investor level. And even accredited investor level, going back to the Jobs Act, Title III, Reg CF, Republic, WeFunder, and even before those platforms popped up, AngelList. And AngelList certainly quickly transitioned and said, oh, we're not a crowdfunding platform. We're 
this other thing, and that's fine. But crowdfunding is really what opened the doors to rest of world, if you will, as well as reggae, reggae plus deals so that the average investor could participate in these opportunities that the ultra high net worth investor has always had the ability to participate in. And so that's where the greatest amount of change has taken place. Do you think there's a way in which investors or all investors should have access to alts? It's maybe a bit of a leading question, but <laughs> it, it is. And given that we've built a platform to enable all investors to invest in alts, yes, I do. I think that should be the case. If we look at historical and statistical returns related to investing, and if you believe in a return towards the mean, the 10 to 15 years prior to where we are today in the public markets have been astounding. Let's ignore the last 18 months. Unfortunately, it suggests that the next 10 to 20 years is going to hover right around zero. So if what you're doing is investing solely in the public markets over the next 10 to 20 years, you're actually going to put yourself in a position that's behind the eight ball, not in front of it. I'm even going to ignore where we are with respect to inflation today. But if your returns are zero <laughs> over the next 10 to 20 years, and if we even have the right level of inflation, our returns are negative. And so the way you combat that, of course, is to include in your portfolio those asset classes that broaden your exposure for outsized returns. And that is what we refer to as alternative assets and alternative investments. And that includes real estate and private equity and venture capital and direct investments in companies that we have not yet heard of. It also includes crypto, by the way. I do believe that we need to enable access to all of these asset classes for as many people as possible, because without doing it, this uneven playing field that we're all already operating on gets even more tilted and distorted. Why is an IRA a great way for people to invest into alts? And why did you start there with Alto? So now that leading question, I really appreciate. Thank you. I started there because we have a mission of alternatives for all. And so if you're going to allow everyone to invest, well, then you have to allow them to use the money that they have. And it turns out that when you look at investable savings, 90 plus percent of that lives in retirement accounts. And when I say that, it's 90 plus percent outside the, call it top 1% in the country. So of the remaining population, the 99%, 90 plus percent of their investable savings lives in a retirement account. The goal was to allow them to access those funds to diversify their portfolio. And again, as we were just discussing, if you're going to diversify your portfolio, you have to be able to invest in alternative assets. And there were two major problems here. The first was that people didn't know you could actually use your retirement money to invest in alternative assets. Okay, so there's an educational challenge. There's a knowledge gap. But the second was 
when you learn you can do this, actually trying to execute on that capability was incredibly hard. So we set out to solve those two things. If we start with the second problem first, was it hard for the investor to be able to solve that problem or was it hard for the issuer to be able to handle the administrative burden and paperwork? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was hard. It was hard for both. Actually, this is how I came to Alto. I was trying to use money in a retirement account to invest in a private company. The really long story short, the TLDR version was if it weren't for the fact that I was on the board of this particular company, they never would have gone through the administrative headache to work with me to make the investment. And also, if I weren't on the board, I wouldn't have spent the 10 weeks that it took me to actually execute the transaction when in the context of non-IRA money, you do it in 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. It was this headache <laughs> that I eventually wanted to solve after going through this process myself a few different times with a few different custodians. Originally, I thought, well, clearly I'm the problem here. But as I did it again and again, I realized that we had a systemic issue, an industry-wide issue. And as, as you know, when ERISA was created in the early 70s, ERISA allowed for the investment of retirement dollars into alternative assets. The problem was that none of the larger custodians wanted to deal with alternative assets because there is no clearing firm. There is no quote unquote standard. When you buy a share of Alphabet or Meta or pick your favorite public company, everybody knows how to do that. And it happens in an instant. Well, that's not the case when you're dealing with alternative assets and when every subscription document is different from the other one and people kind of move the goalposts during the game and you never know really which yard line you're on. The idea behind Alto was to fix the field and to fix the goalposts. If we think about the technological revolution that's happening, particularly for the individual non-accredited investor, what needs to be done to enable this to happen on a broader scale? Well, I hate to say it, but we actually need regulatory change. I think we're headed in the right direction it's going to require more time. But to answer your question from a technological standpoint, we're actually there. We enable people to invest small, relatively speaking, small amounts of money to essentially make fractional investments. It started in the public markets. The ability was always there, but the technological challenge was hard. Now I can buy a fractional share of Berkshire Hathaway or a fractional share of Amazon or pick any company. Now you can do the same in the private markets. You can buy a fractional share of a rental unit or some other commercial property or a Banksy. You can own a percentage of this thing for $100 or $500 or $5,000 that you used to have to have 
$500,000 or a million dollars in order to participate and own. So technologically speaking, we're there. With respect to the regulatory environment, we aren't yet there. And because, unfortunately, I feel like we live in a very paternalistic society where Congress, who is on the verge of bankrupting Social Security, they feel the right and ownership to, quote unquote, protect the rest of us. I can see you nodding your head. So I'm going I'm to let you jump in and ask a question. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine that a lot of people listening are wondering, why has private equity or investments in private markets, maybe more illiquid investments, not been allowed to be part of an investor's 401k? And yes, there's a way to do it through the IRA, but people don't necessarily know that, to your point. Why has this not been something that's been possible to date? Believe it or not, this is possible within a 401k. There's something called a self-directed window. And actually, we use this to allow people to invest in public markets outside of the templated choices that are provided in a given 401k. Let's say your 401k administrator is Fidelity. You can essentially opt out of all of the funds and the mutual funds and ETFs and indexes that they're offering to you as a 401k participant and choose to invest on your own so long as you're choosing from this other list of publicly available stocks and bonds. What is allowed is to create, or I should say to add to this self-directed window, the ability to invest in alternative assets, but nobody does it. I think technology is catching up to this existing framework such that we could actually make it easy for you to self-direct out of the public markets and into the private markets. And I can tell you that I've had these conversations. And actually, you and I were at a dinner a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to leave the names out, but there was a venture capitalist sitting across from me. It turns out that the woman sitting next to her works for a very large 401k administrator who happens to be the administrator of her 401k. And I said, wouldn't it be great if you venture capitalists could invest in alternative assets out of your 401k? And she said, you could do that? And I said, yeah, we can do that. And actually, we can make it happen. And we can make it happen if you talk to the administrator sitting to your left and say, hey, we'd like a self-directed window with Alto to invest in alternative assets. And the response was, I'm going to have to look into that. So <laughs> there's a lot of, I'm going to have to look into that. In part, because there is a perceived liability associated with allowing an individual to invest in an alternative asset. Theoretically, the SEC protects us by all the requirements and regulations it has before listing a company on the public stock market. Whether it's NASDAQ or NYSE, it doesn't matter. A company had to jump through hoops in order to get listed. What's not fully understood, by the way, is that only 4% of all those public companies are actually going to make money for us. 
So what does it say about the other 96%? I don't think it says it's safe or good. And I think the same thing can actually be said for private investment opportunities. It wasn't until Schwab came along and said, hey, everybody can do this. One of the stories I used to tell, I can't remember whether you and I ever spoke about this, but when I was first raising money for Alta, one of the stories that I would tell is, do you remember the E.F. Hutton commercial? This required someone to be a little bit older than you are, but maybe not quite as old as I am. There was this commercial where when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. And E.F. Hutton was a white shoe financial advisor. But the key was you could only work with E.F. Hutton if you had a certain amount of money. Everybody else was SOL. And Schwab came along and said, everybody can do this. I'm going to put stores on the corner of Maine and Maine, and I'm going to teach people. And I feel like that's where we are in the private investment learning curve, which is, okay, most of the world has recognized the fact that 60-40 isn't going to work, or at least not going to work for a while. So we need alternative assets to be part of the portfolio. How do I invest in alternatives? What is an alternative? I feel like we're there on that education curve where now we have to provide that information. What do you feel comes next in the education curve? investors? We have some really sophisticated asset managers, whether it's Apollo or Blackstone or KKR, the largest private asset managers in the world. I can tell you there's an Apollo Academy, which is free to everybody, by the way. You can go to Apollo Academy. And if you want to get smarter about investing in alternative assets, whether it's real estate or private equity or venture capital, you can do it. You can do it with Blackstone as well. I think the difference is that we need to find a way to meet the investor where they are, which is incumbent upon companies like Alto to take Apollo Academy material and make it maybe a little bit more consumable, a little bit more user-friendly. And by the way, no flies on Apollo. Their team is awesome. And they actually do a really great job with this information. I'd encourage anyone who's interested to go sign up for Apollo Academy and start to learn. When you say the name Apollo, it means something to a certain set of people, and it means nothing to everybody else. I think when we're talking about reaching the masses, it's a comment upon us. It's a comment upon Republic. It's incumbent upon angelists for that matter, and others who are building the alternative asset ecosystem for the retail investor. And you and I both know that retail is a loaded word there, but it's incumbent upon us to figure out, okay, how do we really teach? How do we make educational material interesting? What game do we have to build to get people engaged and interested in coming back. But I really do believe the same way Schwab changed public market investing for the retail investor, that's what we'd like to do at Alto for alternative asset. And I think we're at the very early stages. You have at least, I think, around 30,000 customers, maybe a little bit outdated with that number. Yeah. What has resonated so far 
with investors when it's come to education? How's this for honesty? I think we've done a crap job of education. And I think what you're going to see in the next evolution of the Alto platform and the Alto brand is you're going to see a concerted effort to improve education so that as we go from 30,000 to 300,000 to 3 million, it makes sense for people. The 30,000 customers that we have, for the most part, they already knew about alternative assets. They were looking for a better mousetrap, easier, faster, more seamless, more cost-effective, blah, 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 blah. And to a degree, I think we've done that. We can be way better than we are. And that's the direction we're headed. But to go from 30,000 to 300,000, this is why we're working on the educational content and material. And I'm just going to call it community because people like to learn from other people. They don't necessarily want me to teach them. They want to see, oh, hey, Michael Sidgmore invested in X. I want to know why he invested in X. And what I want to do at Alto is I want to enable those 10,000 people who know who Michael Sidgmore is to reach out to you, not directly, <laughs> we're not going to give out your phone number or email, but allow you to participate in the community so that others can benefit from your expertise. And by the way, I'll bet that that makes you feel good and it'll certainly make all these other people feel better about what they're thinking. And by the way, they may decide that's not a good investment for me, or they may decide I should do that five times over. That's where we're headed. How do you think you successfully build community in consumer financial services? That's the gazillion dollar question. Sarah Leary from Unusual Ventures led our Series A round. Sarah Leary was a co-founder of Nextdoor. One of the reasons we picked Sarah and Unusual to lead the round was because I wanted that community expertise to contribute to the way we think about how we develop our platform. I don't have the full answer for you yet. If I did, our community would be out there already. But what I can tell you is it is in design, and I have people who are smarter than me in this regard thinking about how best to enable peer-to-peer -peer interaction and communication. In public markets, we've seen community work because people want to continually come back because they get the feedback loop very quickly of stock price going up or down or same in crypto. Alternative investments tend to be more liquid. So there tends to be longer feedback loops and there's not mark to market on a daily basis. How does that change how you may think about building community? Wow, that's a super great question. I, th I think the first thing actually happens at the beginning before the investment is made. And it's an acknowledgement that the feedback loop is really long, but also recognize that you don't need liquidity. For the most part, you're using these retirement dollars that are meant to be invested over a long period of time and which you're not meant to touch until, go figure, you retire. Hopefully, you're taking these retirement dollars and you're investing them on what's referred to as a duration matching standpoint, which means you're investing in these alternative assets where you're not going to know what that return is for 5, 7, 10, 12 years. 
That said, and I'm going to tie this to something else, by the way, but I am going to answer the question. Human beings are terrible public market investors slash traders for the most part. Everybody knows you're supposed to buy low and sell high. I think it's Warren Buffett famously says, when everybody else is scared, be greedy. And when everybody's being greedy, be scared. We do just the opposite. Why? Because we're human. When everything is trading up, we want to hop on the train or the shuttle or the rocket or whatever it is, and we want to participate. And as soon as everything starts falling like a knife, we get nervous and scared and stressed and we sell, 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 sell. But when you invest in alternative assets, these long-term investments that are illiquid, first thing I'll say is illiquidity means you should expect a premium return, which is what we're looking for because we're looking for an outsized return to balance our portfolio and deliver something greater than zero. So we've got this illiquidity premium that we're looking for. But the other thing is, even when the economy around us is blowing up, inflation's 8%, Republicans and Democrats can't agree on raising the debt ceiling, the U.S. is going to default, and the job market's either going in the right direction or the wrong direction. Guess what? None of it matters because you can't wake up and sell your private company investment. You had a thesis and a theory at the beginning, and you're actually going to be forced to play it out over time. Personally, I think that's a good thing. How much education do you think people need on the concept of illiquidity when it comes to alternative investments? Or the fact that this is the absolute right vehicle for an alternative investment to sit in, is that something that's pretty well easily understood? I don't think it's easily understood, but I don't think it's as hard to understand as others lead us to believe. We're like the only country in the world where you can take your retirement money out early and pay a penalty. Why do we allow that? What's the purpose? It's supposed to be retirement money. I do not think it's that hard to explain to most reasonable, logical individuals that you give something up when what you think you require is the flexibility to take your money out at any point in time. You are paying a premium for that flexibility. And as a result, you have to expect a lower return. The flip side of that is if you're giving up flexibility, which I would argue you don't need because it's retirement money, the person who is investing your money should be willing to pay you a premium for this long-term capital. And therefore, you should have higher expectations of returns. And I don't know, maybe I just confused a bunch of people or maybe a bunch of people just understood that. Related to that, do you find that there are certain investments that Alto members are making that you find more common than others? What's really interesting is of the 30,000, we have about 1,000 who have invested in artwork. I think we've all probably read at some point or seen on TV the Sotheby's or Christie's auction of a Picasso or a Van Gogh or famously the Banksy that 
blew up at auction or whatever, none of us could go buy those things ourselves. And yet we know that historically, these are good investments to make. If you, you hold them and sell them appropriate times. And we've had, give or take, a thousand people invest in aggregate, 25 million of our kind of billion two in assets, 25 million in artwork. I don't think we have any art experts in that crowd. I think these are people who are saying, you know what? We know that the art market historically has performed well. I want portfolio diversification. I actually know what a Van Gogh or a Picasso or a Banksy is. And so I'm going to participate. So if you ask me like 2% of our total assets today invested in art, that feels about right given where we are in this curve and movement evolution towards alternative assets. About half of our customer base is invested in private companies and private funds. And by the way, I'm referring to the accredited investor and above. We've got 200 million invested in crypto. I don't for a second, by the way, believe that everyone actually understands that market, but it's a market that because of the definition of what Bitcoin and ETH are or aren't, is therefore available for everyone to participate in. If we come back to the alternative asset side, the non-trading and crypto falls into the, okay, 24-7, I can access it, I can trade, etc. Let's just leave that aside for a second. And we look at where the rest of this investing is taking place. It's taking place on platforms where I can participate in what we were talking about earlier, which is a fractional interest. So I can go to Republic or I can go to WeFunder and for $100 or $500 or $1,000, I can own a small piece of an early stage company that I really like and think is interesting. And I know that it's making this widget that I really believe in. We haven't talked about this, but I think it's interesting that Congress, this paternalistic body, allows people to invest a certain percentage of their net worth or income if they're not yet accredited in early stage companies on reg CF platforms, but they don't allow them to invest with the greatest asset managers in the world. I guess on that point, do you think people should first be allowed to invest into funds? Because these are the professionals doing it every day rather than choose their own assets. It is an interesting question to ask. And I understand you want to give people the ability to be self-directed in their investments, but the large funds are out there every day scouring the market for the right opportunities in private markets. I think there's like 95,000 plus private companies. and There's only 5,000 or so public companies that have $100 million of revenue or above. So the market's much larger and yet many people can't access that. And why not access it through professional investors? You have to pay a fee to access that, but that may end up being worth it in some cases. I'm going to come back to amazing leading question. I 100% believe where we should have started, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. 
and I don't think we should. That's fine. And everybody's been learning. And I think learning curves are truly important. But where we should have started is with allowing individuals to invest with private investors. People don't talk about this too much. But the largest institutional investors in most of these funds are endowments, foundations, and other large retirement managers. Think about CalPERS. I don't know if they're the largest private investor or not, but they have a really big number. What's interesting is I think there is this conflict of interest that the CalPERS of the world and other endowments and foundations have with the constituents that they actually represent, which is, oh my word, if we open the door for the retail investor to actually participate with these fund managers on their own, what am I going to (laughs) do? What's my job going to be? It's an interesting conflict of interest that I don't think enough people talk about. And by the way, you don't have to just blow the door off the thing in order to open it up. There are some very rational, logical ways to do this. For example, for the individual, for the congressperson who is worried that some fund manager is going to take advantage of 10,000 retail investors, how about we just say that no funds can have more than 10%, 15%, 20% of the total funds come from retail investors below a certain accreditation threshold. That way you have sponsorship. You have this stamp of approval from all these other quote unquote professional institutional investors such that the fund may not perform well, but you know it wasn't just because they took advantage of the little guy. I think that there are easy ways to begin to expand access because we live in the society we live in and it's just basically impossible to get anything done in a legislative fashion. It just takes a long time, but that's okay. We got time. We'll get there. You enable people to be self-directed in their nature of investing, right? They can find an investment on a platform or a private company or private fund, and then use their Alto IRA to do so. You also recently launched a marketplace or a capital raising platform where you're partnering with platforms or issuers to enable them to allow people to invest into their products or funds through Alto. Do you find that one way is more common than the other? What I'm getting at is what's the buying behavior of alternative investments through an IRA? I think the understanding that you are allowed to use your retirement dollars to make these types of investments has greatly expanded since you and I met six years ago. It's a totally different world. I think there are two things that are taking place. One, you have people who now know that they can use their retirement dollars such that when they get access to a particular investment, they say, you know what? The best way for me to do this is in my IRA, A, because it's a long-term investment, and B, because I get tax advantages. It's either going to be in your Roth IRA, such that you never pay taxes when it comes out at retirement, or your returns are tax-deferred and you get to reinvest. So, 
there's that side of it. And the issuer or the fund or the private company that used to say, oh, that's just a pain in my ass. I don't want to do that. It's a total time sink. That's why we created Alta. We created it to solve for that exact problem, which is to make it easy, make it cost effective, and really make the transaction execution part of this seamless for all parties involved. So there was that side of it, which is, okay, I want to invest in Michael's company. Alto makes it easy. Either I tell you about it or you tell me about it. And we go meet on Alto and the transaction happens. Takes me 10 minutes, takes you 10 minutes and it's done. But what if I don't have a Michael and I don't know what I want to invest in, but I know I want to use my IRA money to do it? Well, that's where our platform partners come in. In the case of artwork, it could be Masterworks. In the case of farmland, it could be Acre Trader. In the case of early stage companies, it could be Republic. It turns out that we actually built that capability pretty early on. And what I would say is to greater and lesser degrees, somewhat depending on our technology team, somewhat depending on our partner's technology team, we had greater or lesser success. What we've done with this relaunch is just try to make it stupid, simple, and easy so that anybody can do it. The first thing is we've had a relaunch such that if you're an individual issuer, you don't even have to be a platform. You're Michael and you're either raising money for a company or you're raising money for a fund, whereas it was a little bit confusing, and by a little bit, I mean a lot, confusing for you to figure out how to come on and allow me to invest in your fund or company, that's no longer the case. It's really easy. But then the next step, I can't remember if we talked about this. So also, we recently got our broker-dealer license. And the next step is in Q3 of this year, we're launching our marketplace such that you and I don't even have to have a pre-existing relationship. I can just come to the Alta marketplace. And by the way, it's not going to be called that because our marketing folks want to call it something else. I don't know what's wrong with that. Sounds pretty good to me, but it'll be called something else. But I can go to the Alta marketplace and I can put in my search criteria, kind of like kayak. Here are my different travel criteria. Well, here are my different investing criteria. And Michael and everybody else who is building a thing in that space will pop up. And then I can go research and diligence and review the materials that you've provided. And I can determine for myself. And by the way, this is where community comes in because I know that Michael Sidgemore is in the community and I may see that he's invested in something similar because you've exposed your portfolio to people. And I can say, hey, why do you like trust companies or why do you like X? And hopefully you'll respond to me. And if not, maybe there will be another thousand Michaels who I can ask and I can do this peer-to-peer diligence in assessing investment opportunities. So for Alto to go from 30,000 to 300,000 and 3 million users and for many people beyond just Alto, but in the space in general to use their IRA to invest into alternative assets, how much of this hinges on the issuers telling the investor at the point of 
investment. Hey, use your IRA to do this. This may be controversial. I don't think it matters that much. And I don't think it matters that much because it's going to be built into the POS, the point of sale. We've already seen that with our platform partners where it's like, invest as an individual, invest as an entity, invest out of your Alto IRA. People see that and they're like, oh, I didn't know I could invest out of my IRA. I'm going to do that. But the other piece of this is if we do our job right at Alto, we have built our foundation on this concept and with the construct that retirement dollars are great dollars to be using for alternative assets. You already know this. The conventional wisdom was, wow, that's your retirement account. You should be really conservative and risk-free with your investments. So, no, that's exactly backwards and wrong. Save your liquidity for dollars you need today. Your after-tax dollars in case there's an emergency or a health scare or you got to pay for a car fix or something like that. But your long-term illiquid assets, which also offer outsized returns, should be made with your retirement account. And because we have built our foundation on this idea, I can tell you already that we are not having any problem attracting really high-quality issuers to what will be the Alto marketplace in Q3. And I think whenever there's a, a marketplace and you're building a marketplace, people talk about the chicken and the egg. Which comes first, supply or demand? We had a belief that we were going to build the demand side first, which is why in part we started with the IRAs because it turns out that when you invest with an IRA, you have to have a custodian we have a wholly owned trust company. You can't rip us out of the equation. We have to be included. You can't do an end run around. So now we have 30,000 clients with a billion two sitting on give or take 150 million of cash waiting to be deployed. We've shown that we can actually do what we say we will do. And so now hopefully what we're doing is we're leveraging that history and that relationship that we have created with our clients. And we're saying, guess what? Now we're going to show you these other things, these other investment opportunities, which you didn't bring to us, but we're bringing to you. And hopefully, if you like what you see, you're going to tell two friends. And those two friends are going to tell two more friends each. And by the way, in the Alta marketplace, whether you use IRA money or non-IRA money, I'm indifferent. What does this space look like in five years from now? Well, I think if we do our job properly and if we succeed in execution, which is what I believe our risk is here, we've already shown that there's product market fit, that there's demand, that there's excitement for the opportunity, if we do this right and if we do it well, I think individuals' investment portfolios will be comprised somewhere between 15 to 20 percent of alternative assets as compared to really less than 2 percent today. And that means that every other sort of custodian or trust company will have 
enabled their client to access alternative investment opportunities on the Alto marketplace. We'd like to be the center hub of all of that. What's the thing that's missing right now from the alt space that you'd like to see be built? I think it's what we're building, which is this true marketplace. And by the way, there's a much longer and larger conversation around secondary markets as the holy grail. I'm of the belief that secondaries and alternative assets, non-real assets, by which I mean it's not a building, it's not a piece of art, it's not an antique car. I'm talking about if you own interest in a private fund or a private company, I think it's really hard to value those things at a point in time without other indications of value meaning, oh, they just did a round or they didn't do a round. I think that secondary market activity is really hard. I'm not saying we're not going to solve it. I do think we, we will. But for me, the first step is primary marketplace, primary issuance. So we are building the marketplace that will allow quality issuers, whether they are private equity managers, venture capitalists, entrepreneurs to make their offerings available to a retail base that is interested in portfolio diversification and the potential for outsized returns. I think a lot of the wealth management world, when they're talking about retail, they have different stratifications. There's the zero to one, one being one million. There's the one to five, And let's just, for simplification purposes, let's just say there's north of 5 million. We're really focused on the less than 5 million of investable assets. And I'm going to put a lowercase r on that. The greater than 5 million, I'm going to put a capital R. So if we're successful, we have built a marketplace that works for the lowercase retail, which, by the way, also works for the uppercase retail but we're building for the lower net worth common denominator. Final question that I always ask every podcast guest, what's your favorite or most interesting alternative investment? I don't know that this will come as any great surprise, but I sort of lean towards the early innovators and early stage entrepreneurs and people who are taking risks without evidence that something is necessary or is going to work out. I have a good friend in town in Nashville. He goes by the name of Shane Mack. And he and his co-founder, Matt, have built a company called XMTP. And XMTP is building the necessary messaging infrastructure for Web3. I don't know if it's going to work or not. I don't know if we ever give up our email addresses, but I do love the idea that whether I'm in my Coinbase wallet, I'm in the Converse app, all my messages go with me wherever I am. You don't have to have Yahoo and Gmail and me.com. Your messages are your messages and wherever you are, they're your messages. To me, that's just really super cool. I like what those guys are building and it's a future that I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but... I'll roll the dice on that one. I I know know Matt as well. And I think if things can work in terms of building an open messaging protocol, then 
yes, we'll see something quite interesting come out of that. That's a fascinating one. And I think it does illustrate some of the promise of Web3. Obviously, there's been a whole roller coaster within the crypto Web3 space, but there are clearly some use cases that are meaningful, valuable, and perhaps this will be one. Well, this was a fantastic conversation about such an important piece of the alt space is how do you give everyone access and how do you do it in a way from a regulatory perspective, technology infrastructure perspective, and access perspective. So Eric, congrats on all the great work at Alto. Thanks for coming on the show. Michael, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Alt Goes Mainstream. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more episodes of the podcast at any of your favorite podcast sites, and you can read more about alts at my substack, altgoesmainstream.substack.com, and follow me on Twitter at, at Michael Sigmore and at GoesAlt. Thanks a lot, and have a great day. Mm-hmm.